Do we want to give some sort of intro? I feel like I'll leave that to you. You are the MC after all. Hey, turn up, turn up. We're it's we're already too far deep. Yeah. All right. We're we're in too deep. Deepest bluest. My head is like a shark's fin. Um, please tell me you know that reference. I don't. LL Cool J, one of his greatest lyrical exercises. Uh, there was, and you know what? I mixed it up because they came out around the same time. But this is hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. There was a movie called In Too Deep, and I think it was him and uh, Omar Epps, but what I'm getting mixed up is it actually, Deep is Blue, is he's referencing the movies, Deep Blue Sea, which was the shark movie, and he made an accompanying song, and that's how it went. Deep is Blue is my head is like a shark's fin. Wait, but I feel like it goes back to like last week with the, I bust out my mom's fallopian tube. What does it even mean that your head is like a shark's fin? That's, that seems undesirable. You know what? But it's like, it's like this. The, the hammerhead is one of the most fierce animals of the sea. And maybe LL Cool J with one leg up, which was not necessarily for fashion, but was to show us his leg tattoo. But we all misinterpreted it. And many people began lifting their leg up. Yo, we're talking about fashion. I know that's your bag. We in your bag right now talking about fashion. Here we go. It is my bag. It is a ridiculous line. So without further ado, welcome back to For the Love of Podden, chilling right here with Rachel Street and myself, Rosara Monty. We're going to get down. We're going to talk about a lot of things today, and let's see where this goes. And you know what? I was having a good discussion about LL Cool J with a good friend of mine, Reflective Intelligence, who is a very, yeah, I mean, with a name like that, very dope MC uh, and quite the connoisseur of many levels of culture. And uh, we definitely talked about our love for LL Cool J and how LL Cool J slander will not be accepted as a whole. But of course, we can pick parts that we don't necessarily favor. But uh it's I, I was I was talking to some people that I love dearly recently, and I think it was just to be funny, but they started going in like basically acting like LL was trash or like what has he done? Other, I was like, yo, we are not doing whether this. you like it or not, you can't deny the cultural impact of LL Cool J. Come on, and this is this is I mean I could tell any I have never met a hip hop head like. I know one of the people really has done a lot in hip hop, and I think they were just going along with just being funny. But they're more of a like a musician. Well, you know how there's sometimes like it's cool to hate on certain things. People went through a, a hate Kanye phase, which, by the way, I have disliked Kanye for a very long time because he stood up a show. Like, he showed up super late to that show in 2006, and I'm still mad about it. 2006. I'm still mad. I think like, that was when I was like, oh no, we're done here. Super mad. That was the time when Fonsworth Bentley was on stage. And I'm super mad. No, I still, I think I was pissed for years. I'm like, that's it. No more really? Kanye. Da, da, da. Then 808s and Heartbreaks came out. And I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. But it, it was. Oh, that was for you. You you were with 808s. A little bit. I, I liked Love Lockdown um, when it first came out and he was all mad. Could I hear that like clicking in the background? Do you remember when that got leaked? No, my introduction to it was when he did, I believe it was the VMAs. Oh, and he yelled at someone when he was on auto-tune. Yo, I just, yeah, I just remember him like in a gray suit or something, kind of stamping his leg. And I also remember thinking, yo, they got him. This is shit is fucking trash. This is trash. That was my thought. I hated that song and I, I disliked most of that entire era and I was so glad when it was over. Okay, so we have to we have to back up here. Got to back up. All right, so Love Lockdown. Oh, God. 
got leaked. I want to say it was Andrew Barber on Fake Shore Drive. Are you familiar with that blog? No, but well, other than what you told me, no. Okay, so Fake Shore was the blog of the Chicago people. So Love Lockdown comes out, gets leaked, and it's super rough, super rough version of it. And there's like this clicking sound in the background. It's very raw. And at this point, 808s and Heartbreak, they hadn't announced the album yet, I don't think, or the now because right what we were expecting we were expecting good ass job right you're familiar with the canon of what was supposed to happen that, wait there was an album called good ass job coming it, that's what we were always promised whoa i did not now i understand why chance says that now i'm starting to understand oh. so i'm all mad at kanye in 2006 for the bullshit that happened at that show super mad whatever i like got tickets to go as like a graduation high school graduation present for my cousin and me and we went and it was like this whole big debacle whatever so i'm mad at kanye i am not paying too much attention to what he's doing for a while love lockdown comes out and then they announce 808s and it's this auto-tuned mess and i'm sitting here thinking Where's good ass job? Where's good? Why is no one else so upset about this? And I just like raged against this whole like where's good ass job. And then he did this whole departure. And I thought, okay, maybe this is like a side project thing. Maybe yeah. it doesn't count in the whole thing that works. But you know, like all the different dropout, late registration, graduation, good ass job. Where's good ass job? And then another album came out. And I still was like, I'm not even listening to it. Another one. How many albums are we past where the promise was not fulfilled to the fans who have been there for a long time? I'm not going to say since the beginning. I don't. I wouldn't call myself a Kanye fan since the beginning. You did ask, though, at what point did Kanye enter my consciousness of being around? Mm-hmm. They used to give us these planners in high school. It was like a paper planner. You like wrote down your class assignments. And, you know, you're in high school, so I would write down song lyrics and stuff in mine, too. And... In my 2002 one, a Kanye lyric popped up as I was flipping through looking for something mm-hmm. else. I was actually flipping through to find out when I found out about Aesop Rock, which was December of 2003. Wow. Uh, so you'd ask, at what point did I become aware of Kanye's? At some point, 2002, give or take? I don't Damn. know. But anyway, so that's why I'm mad about Kanye. I'll be mad about Kanye until that gets sorted out. But I did like that original version. And Kanye was so mad when Love Lockdown got leaked like that because he's like, it's not finished. It's not blah, blah, And he was so mad. But I liked it because it was still like really raw. And I kind of was looking forward to it. And then the finished product, I ended up liking less. Mm, no, and You know what? That actually that actually sounds like, like a sitcom or something. Mad about Kanye. Like that just, <laughs> that would be, and you know what? Why not have a great little spinoff since he will no longer be involved uh, on Keeping Up with the Kardashians, maybe other than Divorce Court, why don't we start a sitcom or something? I mean, he did, he moved to he moved to my hometown. Where's that? Naperville, Illinois. Naperville. So I come from the neighborhood. Watch my hip hop crew from Sacramento. You were in Naperville. Naper. Paper. Naper. N a p e r. Naper. Not not neighbor. Naper. Okay. A gentleman named Joseph Naper. I don't remember mm-hmm. what year, but he uh, manifest destinied his way to the area, set up a settlement, and we still have something called Naper Settlement, which is a historic area where they do little reenactments and things. It's right by my high school. And the reason we found out that he moved in or around the Naperville area is that he started going to the Pepe's Tacos. Uh, we have a local franchise, local chain of Mexican restaurants which Mm. is delicious and delightful. And he started going to the one that my parents like to go to. Mm. People were seeing Kanye at Pepe's Tacos. (laughs) Uh, And and that's how everyone figured out that he moved to Naperville. He bought a house a couple of years back. Pepe's Tacos. You know, and, you know, on my, I don't know if even it's a hot take, 
I think is definitely not respected within the legion of Kanye fan. I don't know if any Kanye slander is ever respected or tolerated within the uh, Kanye fandom. And not even that that's, I know that's not the most unique thing, but there's always fans like that. Like I can accept, like for instance, I actually am a big fan of LL Cool J, but like I can accept that there's things he did that like were like, for instance, accidental racist is something I always come back to is one of the worst creative, if you want to call that decisions ever. But, you know, also four, three, two, one is one of my favorite songs. And, you know, I had like his uh, phenomenon album and a few other ones and I, you know, just the way, but, and he's one of the, he was the first big hip hop concert I went to. He headlined it. But that being said, like I can accept, or Eminem, I've fluctuated, but overall, I've always been an Eminem fan. Even when I was like, I'm not a fan of this era. I've always like, just, you know, since 1998, when I first saw him on The Box, did you have that? Oh, I remember The Box. You had The Box? I don't think we had, like my my family per se, but I feel like my neighbors or people I knew had it. Like, like we, that was like an all music video channel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it was like you could request, it was like the real TRL. Oh, yeah. Oh, TRL, that's something I haven't heard, thought about in a long time. Carson Daly. I just realized he had like a late night show and I don't think that exists anymore. No, I know he lost a ton of weight. Really? Yeah. See, I didn't, and going back to Carson Daly reminds me of, see, my brain was shaped around ball with the ball. Now, I, <laughs> here's the deal. Because I I thought everybody was friends. I bought into everything. I mean, they did a good job. And you know what? Maybe they were good friends and associates. But I thought like Carson Daly and Kid Rock were like best buds. And what was Carson Daly like my hero? No. Did I know why he was famous? No. But hey, he was on a really cool show at the time, my adolescent mind. Right. And I used to like race home to watch it. Yeah, it was it was a thing. You've wanted what's gonna be number one. Like this but the whole thing's like, oh, they made it they're they're back down to number six and who's gonna stop by the studio? Like I thought like in sync and them, that was very smart of the producers. They they made it seem like like homies just dropped in. It wasn't that. Like it was a scheduled appearance to promote their singles and albums. Right. But like, so I thought Kid Rock was just, and even when they said friend of the show, I I knew that that was a phrase, but I kind of took it literally just based on like, I didn't know how many ad dollars that there were behind something called a promo budget and all those other things that were really making it. Were we it. ever that young? Oh my goodness. The, the naivety. You know, and- I actually, you know, I got into uh, Kid Rock. Uh, I was interested. And I don't regret it. I Wait, you know, I feel like we need to back up. Say that one more time. For the record. Is this thing on? For the record. <laughs> I got into Kid Rock as a child, and I definitely don't regret it. That's the other part, because I know you just wanted to make sure that I said that. Well, other than, other than that one song, what other songs did he have? Oh, yo, he said, uh, no, not Ball with the Ball was one, but he said... Now, I didn't really care for this song, but I wasn't against it was because I'm a cowboy, baby. <laughs> there was, there Wait, was, that's him? Yes. He had, I would say, I would say Kid Rock from 19, was that big album came out in 1998, but it didn't pop till 99. I think from then to like 2003, he had like at least two major hits from each album. I think he dropped one like every year. There's about five or six Kid Rock songs that you know whether or not you want to. You probably don't, but 
I mean, I worked <laughs> at the mall for a very long time. I probably do. Oh my god! Now I want to know, like, what other Kid Rock songs do I know? But but another thing is, I remember the 1999 VMAs were like a really big thing. I mean, all the VMAs were actually a big thing when when people actually watched television and we actually were invested in the artists. And I remember a really cool moment because the whole thing with Kid Rock was that like, I don't know, this is this the Kid Rock podcast or what? But the thing with him was he blended that world of hip hop and rock. Like for real, it wasn't just like a gimmicky thing. Like I watched like his Driven or something. I think it was Driven or whatever. And Kid Rock actually came out as a hip hop act in 1992. And he actually toured with like Cypress Hill. And I think Vanilla Ice was the headline. And he was only like 17. I I could also see him somehow being like tangled up with the insane clown posse. Oh, you know what? And honestly, people forget they're from Detroit just because, you know. I did not forget that. Did not forget that. I happen to personally know many Juggalos. And And here's the thing about Juggalos. You knowing them. You realize Juggalos, at least individually, are not always what people, I'll say collectively, are not necessarily what they've been. Now, this was not intended as a pun, but here it is. Painted to be okay. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry, guys. I had to do it. But uh, I mean, people yeah. just like to clown on them. Yeah. Oh, oh no! Wait, what you gonna do now? Hold on now. You 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 gonna make them have to boogie oogie on you? But hey, listen. I have to say this. I've known Juggalos, especially as a technician myself. Technicians are Tech Nine fans, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of crossover. Although they did fall out. Uh, about five or six years ago, which is really weird, because uh, they're both like they're they're different camps. But anyway, the point is this: there's overlap. And I was just talking with a uh, my mentor, old ghost, who uh, kind of ushered me into the Sacramento scene many years ago. And I was brought, I just kind of brought up that I opened for Tech Nine back in '05, and he's like, "Dude, I was at that show. That was awesome." I was like, "What? I forgot about that." And um. I, I mean, I was like 19 when I opened for Tech Nine. It was a dream. And, um, but the biggest thing I noticed was there was juggalos in the crowd. And I got so much love. Like, I'll never forget this, this girl hugged me. And, you know, it was flattering. I thought she was cute or whatever, but it wasn't even like a flirt thing. It was like, she was like, you're, but she was a juggalo. And her vibe was like, I can't remember everything she said because it was loud, but it was something to the effect of like, you're so fucking dope. Oh, my God. Which is like, wow, that's such an original thing. (laughs) But whatever she said in the group she was with, they were all like, yeah. But I could tell it was like she seemed like a kind of person you might not approach otherwise. And she gave me like the realest hug. And, and, you know, someone could be like, dude, maybe she was just rolling. (laughs) You know, maybe she was on E. You don't know. I don't know if you know this, but I am kind of fascinated by them because I, in some of my mall jobs, I did have a stint at The Hot Topic. Oh, boy. I did. I did. And uh, I would roll up with my little Betty Page black bangs. My hair hair used to be jet black. uh, And I had these little black bangs, teeny little bangs. And then I would wear these steampunk raver big dreadlocks i still have them they're in a bag it's a weave so i have these like this dreadlock weave with these bangs but then i'd have like my daddy yankee shirt on i was i I just i like to (laughs) listen i like to turn a look and you know this like i just the the problem is that that fashion especially at that age is so tied into the music you listen to and for me i just 
wore whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, and I listened to whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, and rarely did those two things collide appropriately. So Mm. the Juggalo community is pretty big in the Chicagoland area, especially in the suburbs where I was. Mm. We always had a lot of them in and out of the store, and a number of them worked at the store off and on. And I hate to say it this way, but they almost always got fired for stealing. I don't know what it was to the point where like one of my managers had a I won't hire Juggalos policy on the job application at Hot Topic. They ask you what music you listen to. Damn, that's racist. And I think they honestly, I (laughs) I think they hired me because they thought I was being ironic when I wrote down what type of music I listened to. Also, I just drew a picture on part of the application of a dog and they hired me. What? But that's a different point. But so anyway, Juggalos, I got to know a lot of them. Very into the tattoos, very down with the clown, very, I listened to a lot of the music. Oh, really? You- now, when you say you listen to a lot of the music, now talk to me. Like, did you go into like Twisted and all this other stuff? No, 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 you... no, no, no. Can't remember a single song, though. Really? Uh, yes. It was because mm-hmm. they would play it at the store. Like, whoever was on ship, we had, do you remember those five disc CD changer things? Yes, I do. Those are big baller brand. That was, that was yeah, a big deal. Yeah, so we deal. had one of those at the store. And usually there were about five people on the shift. You had to play CDs that they sold there or the other rule was if we had like a a wall of band t-shirts, if the band was on there and we had the CD in like this big bin, you could play it. And so my issue was I didn't like any of the music available. So I would dig around and try Mm. to find the one Depeche Mode CD to play. All right now. That's a name I haven't right. heard Everybody in Everybody got to pick their their thing. So the other thing, too, is they're different. Have you ever worked in retail? Yes, I have many times. Okay. So there's zones, right? And they usually like place a person in a zone. And they like could not place me at the band t-shirt wall because I did. I just was, I didn't know anything. So people would come in and like ask about a certain band. And I'm like, I don't know. Really? Right? I didn't know anything. They would ask you about the, wait, why are they asking you about a band? Like, aren't you? You pose, hey, I got a quote Pharrell at the beginning of Rockstar, fucking posers. What is going on? Why are you coming? But I know we're talking about hot topic people. Well, no, it'd be like, it'd be like, do you know when they're coming to town? Do you know other, like, what, if if you like this, what else should I, you know, like, what else should I check out? This is pre-Google people, like, maybe Google existed, but people weren't having internet on their phones this is myspace days no one had internet on their phones that's the key detail right Right. there was no iphone like this was way before the iphone all right and also like i just couldn't remember the names because they're like hundreds of shirts and i just uh, so they couldn't put me by the cds and they couldn't put me by the band t-shirts so they put me i was very good at styling people and making outfits they would just put me in the zones (laughs) with the clothing so anyway juggalos so when you worked there, you know, there were ICP CDs. And, and so if you ended up on a shift with like three jugglers and you're getting three different CDs and you, you cycle through the tracks and it's like, oh, man. Oh, there also was some sort of old school hip hop anthology something. And so there was like a, a, a lot of Snoop Dogg songs. Mm. I, like, if I could find there was like, like I said, it was a big bin of CDs and you would pick one out. And you would get to you'd get to play it for your shift. They also put me in the back a lot doing inventory because I was really good at it. And they could try like that was the thing that that job was so tough. Actually, most of the mall jobs I had. I mean, I worked at the department stores. I worked just off the mall premise at a, a suit store. Every retail job I ever had, so many issues with people stealing stuff. Oh man! Right? I actually did not. Oh, I have one, but in general, I didn't really see that as much. Oh man! When I worked at Ross when I was in college. We turned over the staff like every three weeks because of people stealing because I worked on an inventory shift where- Employees. Employees. What? Like I've 
I'm probably the real ignorant, naive guy on this part, but I'm like, what? Yeah, right. Okay, so here, this was my prompt too. All right, so different mall job. I worked at Sears. That was probably the longest job I had because I would always come back when I was in college and then go to that job at Sears because the pay was amazing. I was on commission. It was so good. And early on in my time at Sears, you know, I'm still kind of getting to know people. A bunch of us got hired on the same shift. I was in a specific department. And the security guys, I've kind of become friends with them too. They called them loss prevention. And so they kept like, really, they were like all over my department and they were like moving the cameras around like all the time. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, it was just weird. And then I got pulled in the back, like being questioned about like weird stuff. I did not understand what was going on. Um, And they kept saying, well, your registers are short and you're like, we had like a bank of four registers. What? At the end of the night, you would do something called counting down the register. Oh yeah, right, yeah. And so you take sure. all the you take all the cash out because this was when more people paid with cash, and you would count out however much money, and you would leave fifty or hundred dollars in the register, and then you would count out the rest. It would go in this envelope. You would designate one person to walk it down, and then it would get locked in the vault and taken to the bank. I don't know. I would count down the registers a lot, and with my other coworkers, and we just they the money was missing, and we were a very small department. We weren't like the other departments where you would get bounced from like juniors to women's to men's. Like we were, if you were in our department, I was in the shoe department, then you were just there because it was a special whatever. A lot of time went by and eventually they fired one of the guys who was working with us. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like I stood next to him while we counted down the registers together. How was he stealing? And it took them a really long time to catch him because what he would do was he would count out the money and then he would use his elbow and like knock a bunch of the bills into the trash can below him. And then at the end of the night, he would always offer to take the trash out. And, you know, we were upstairs. The trash was like down two flights of stairs. We didn't, and we're like, sure, Jim, take the trash out. We don't care. Great. Why not? <laughs> and then he would get all the way down and then to the dumpsters and take the cash out. He, I mean, like thousands of dollars over the course of several weeks. This is on camera too. Yeah, the, on camera when he would knock the, the cash, but he was able to do it in such a way that it was not obvious. Yo, and- I just got like horrible trauma from working at Sports Authority, something that happened with a check there. Uh, Shout out to Sports Authority. That's my, uh, you know, that's my Kanye Gap moment. (laughs) That's definitely me. I think that's why I felt that even more. Is that that Spaceship? What song is that? Yeah, Spaceship. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best. Yo, also sampling one of my favorite songs of all time. You know what the original sample is? Not off the top of my head. Distant Lover by Marvin Gaye. Goodness gracious. Yes. Oh, man. That's, and let's see, that song came out, uh, you know, top of 04. I don't, I was into Marvin Gaye, but I didn't have like, I was, I just really had what's going on. And I, I think I had one DVD, but it had like 22 songs on there. So like nothing fully stood out, but like, I think I got on like another kick of his around 2006, 2007. Because I remember Butterscotch gave me the I Want You album. Because I was talking about how great what's going on. And she was like, what about this? And I was like, yo, this is crazy. And I was like, oh, I knew these songs. I didn't know I knew all of them. And I just haven't really listened to, I think, because I, and this is kind of derailing here. But like, I think like with, maybe this could even go into Kanye too, about like my disappointment with 808s and some other things. Is like with Marvin Gaye, at least my version, like I, for him, for me, he was a part of like black revolutionary changing the soundscape, 
you know, like just giving people a sense that connected directly to the the aftermath of the civil rights movement, essentially. Like, I don't think Marvin Gaye is mentioned enough when we talk about because he wasn't like directly a part of the civil rights movement. It, uh, all of our heroes had been shot at that time, just about. But it was the aftermath, like, you know, like uh, Vietnam's ending or, you know, and it's just like, what are we doing now? Black Panthers are kind of here. People are coming back or whatever. And what's going on changed the whole scape, scope of music. Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on is so important to to the whole thing. Like, to I've actually been in a discussion where it was like, it's arguably, of course, it, there's an argument for anything, but it's arguably... It's up there with like greatest album of all time sort of vibe. I will definitely, I will definitely co-sign on that. You know, like, of course, you know, art being subjective, but just like what it did and how it's, I mean, the, the album is 51 years old this year and it still sounds just as beautiful and it sounds just as present and important and, uh, visceral but somehow like classy and smooth and painful enough it's it's and what it did is it broke the mold of motown barry gordy didn't even want it he tried to prevent him from putting it out and that's actually the thing that led to stevie wonder going on that crazy run of five albums that he did in the 70s that are considered like one of the greatest creative commercial runs in the history of music including like inner visions and songs in the key of life and all those things he did and it was inspired by marvin Gaye's willingness to go out on a limb and it also inspired Michael Jackson. There's a song, uh, my, my favorite Michael Jackson song is called I Can't Help It. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can't help it if I yeah. want it. Yeah, right. yeah. Love that song. That song, <laughs> uh, written by Stevie Wonder. Yes, you are correct. And there is, exists, I don't know if it's just the audio or if I ever found a video of it, of Stevie Wonder singing mm. it. Oh, like 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 the original like demo yes. of it? Yes. Oh, I need to hear that. It's so good. It kind of reminds me of, speaking of Marvin Gaye, uh, you know the song, Uh uh, All I Do Is Think About You? Yeah, yeah. Yes, All I Do, yeah. Tammy Terrell has a version of that. What? And it's completely different. So so the Stevie Wonder version is like funky and like, oh, like all I do is think about you. This is amazing. Uh, And the the Tammy Terrell version is slow. It is somber. And honestly, it's spooky because uh, of the way that she died. First of all, tragic, young death, her and Marvin. Didn't she have like a brain issue? She did. She had a brain tumor. She collapsed in Marvin's arms at some point on stage and then later. And it was a very quick decline. So the way that look up the Tammy Terrell version of All I Do, it's haunting. So it almost sounds like she's singing about someone who has died and all she does is think about them. Wow. And and even for just even the fact that it was a brain tumor, that's like, ooh, that's, yo, you just schooled me to something. I definitely didn't know that. And I I live for like knowing those little like special backstories. And oh, Marvin um, and Tammy, but, that is that is a, a big like just like my weird encyclopedic knowledge of ICP and Juggalo things, uh, Tammy <laughs> and this is why I did not do well at Hot Topic. I'm just all over the place. Like if I like it, right? I like it, and I don't. I don't really care what else happens. So all right, so we've kind of bopped around. We, you did not tell us your Kanye spaceship sports authority story. Go. 
Okay, yeah, because you traumatized me by bringing up the money in the trash can, which is a specific thing. But to finish that point about Marvin really quick, though, all I was saying was that how, like, that's not the only version of Marvin Gaye. And I was so trapped into the what's going on version that I was shunning the fact that he had evolved into this whole sexual liberation thing and he had done other things. And I was like, it's what's going on or bust. And that's it. And like... I wasn't interested in, I knew about like, let's get it on or whatever, but like, I was like, that's a cool, I know that's blasphemous. I never was a big fan of that song personally. Was it because um, of that, that commercial that was popular when we were kids and it was the clothes, but the no bodies? Do you know what I'm talking about? There was a commercial. I actually don't. What was I it? feel like it was like a, a Calvin Klein jeans commercial and it's the boy jeans <laughs> and the girl jeans and they're, let's get it on is happening. And like the jeans come mm. off, but everybody's invisible. Like there are no people. I do not remember that, but that's, I mean, that's a pretty cool concept. And then the door, the, there's a knock on the door and the, the jeans get put back on really fast uh. and they open the door and it's very clearly like an old lady, like with the glasses and like a dowdy outfit. His uh. mom shows up and he was like getting it on with his invisible girlfriend. I kind of ne- see that part sounds a little familiar, actually. All right. So we were, I'm, I'm tracing the, the thread back through. So we've got Marvin. Are we good on Marvin? Can we put a pin in Marvin? I I think so. I'll also say shout out to Nika Costa if we're just going to talk about random commercials involving music. I don't know if anybody remembers Nika Costa, but I th- she was supposed to blow up in 2001. There was a Tommy Hilfiger commercial, and for the longest, I didn't know who was singing. And it was just like the most intense, like sexy, everybody's dancing and hair's flying and everybody's got clothes and teeth are gnashing and everybody's going in slow-mo. And it just, they get right to the climax. It's like, like a fella, it'll be. It's just crazy note. And everybody's like, yeah. And everybody's all excited. And I was like, who is that? This is the dopest party. It was like this little 15, 20 second bump. And it was all about selling Tommy Hilfiger. And then it took me years and my brain exploded when I found out that the redhead singing in the video was actually really the artist. And her name was Nika Costa. And she was supposed to blow up. And she was a part of that whole blue-eyed soul resurgence, which included Thick, who later was known as Robin Thick, mm. Remy Shand, and a few other people who just missed their mark for whatever reason. Anyway, commercials. Let's go back. Yeah, other than that, I think we're done with Marvin Gaye. So we got Sports Authority, and and then I have more more on people stealing things at work. It's really bad. Don't steal things. And also biting. Uh, we're gonna get to biting. We're gonna get to biting. Uh, but oh, okay, okay. So too many things, really quick. I said okay. I worked at Blockbuster. You know, show my age, and. Uh, there was one guy who basically, long story short, he was a vet, and that's why he- Wait, are you at Blockbuster or are you at Sports Authority for the story? Sports Authority's the real trauma, but this is like the quick pre-story. Before we get into that, though, can we talk about, like, are, you're like the kiss of death on retail businesses. Right? Like, you do realize none of these are around anymore. Now that I think about it, Sears is basically on its way out, too. They don't even exist. Yeah, like, if-, if Yo, and then the last, like, regular job I had was working at Dimple Records, a record store, which also- I mean, you know, <laughs> it was the last time you seen a record store. I'm sure you've seen one, but I'm saying like it's very rare. Uh, and, mm-hmm. But OK, so really quickly, the only time I could think of where like I know someone stole, there was this dude who came in and I felt like he was hella sketch, like right when it actually happened. But they gave him preference because he was a Afghanistan vet. And uh, honestly, he you could tell he seemed like a bit like off and incompetent. But honestly, he did it. 
I know for a fact that like he got the preference because of sympathy for his service to the country. I know that's what happened. And not only did he come in with no previous, uh, like not only like retail, but more specifically, he didn't have any sort of like uh, experience at Blockbuster, which was a very specific sort of <laughs> business to be in. And he didn't know what he's doing like anybody else that starts. I didn't when I started, but he came in. As like a shift leader, which a bunch of, that means a bunch of us, he had no history in Blockbuster or anything like it, but because he was a vet, they like made him like technically almost a manager. So this guy went from this, my boss didn't know what the fuck he was doing. That's basically what happened. And then that guy who was very happy, but kind of weird, that guy, I couldn't believe it. I came in one day and the cops were there or something like that, or they had just left. And the guy ran off with like some girlfriend he had just found or something and i think he like he was closing the night before and he like stole like six thousand dollars out of the bank and just like no one had heard from him it was crazy um so that was the only time i could think of but the actual sports authority story which may be even briefer one time two times one time uh, i was working as sports the sports authority america's first place for sports i was working there that's when we were still taking checks regularly, and I don't know why this happened, but you were supposed to rip up checks, like, if they were invalid or whatever, like, if if somebody rewrote the check or something like that, I forgot why, but, like, if somebody changed their payment method or whatever, but sometimes you were supposed to, you know, to get rid of evidence and, like, make sure their name was invisible, so I did that, and it was a normal thing. And I remember we were doing the uh, the little countdown or whatever at the end, like you said. I probably didn't say it correctly, but whatever we did um, with the money. And so anyway, I'm I, you know, I ripped it up, and I remember doing it, as I recall, very much in the right. So I ripped it up, and I know at this point you can see where it's going, but it actually went there. So I ripped it up uh, at maybe like five o'clock, four something like that. You know, went on, and at the end of the day, we're counted down. I remember the dude, I can't remember his first name, the dude's last name was Murphy, and he was such a, he seemed like, he seemed like he was, this reminds me, I need to see Office Space. Yes, I have committed the crime of not watching Office Space, and shame on me for not watching Office Space, and I've had people even tell me, like, bro, what's, and I still haven't watched it, and I love that sort of humor. I don't know why I haven't done it. I think you're also going to be shocked by all the famous people in it. Who are like famous now? Oh damn! I I can't wait. I I, I love stuff like that. So, um, so this dude, my supervisor at the time, he definitely could have been in that movie based on the excerpts I've seen. So get down there, and I think we were like five hundred dollars short. It was about that much. That's kind of. But you know, you remember we made like shit. Sports Authority. I mean, they're selling like camping gear and all this stuff. I I think they make like. I mean, depending on what year, the minimum wage was five dollars and fifteen cents when I started working. Oh man, it was like seven. Uh, around it was around. Seven. It, it was more. It was more in California for sure. Because yeah. I remember being really stunned when I moved to California in two thousand six, mm-hmm. and I went from making five fifty plus commission at my mall job yeah. to like making seven or eight dollars an hour. And I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. And in Chicago now, we're on our way to a fifteen dollar minimum. Right. I I heard just recently that uh, on like a federal level, like that's supposed to be happening like between now and January, like. Not maybe totally, but there's like a certain sector of people uh, that immediately includes roughly like over 300,000 people that are uh, supposed to be getting that raise. Um, But uh, yeah, I think it's like $10 now, if I'm not mistaken. Like that's- I have no idea. I, I 
try to make sure to pay my employees as much as I can in my business. So uh, I have no idea what minimum wage is because I don't pay anyone minimum wage. Look at well, I, look at you. Look at you oh, making hi. it do what it do, making people happy. You know, I, I'm focused more on like living wages than minimum and, and trying not just like living wage, but like thriving wage if oh, we can. Because yeah. the last thing I want, man, I when I uh, had an employee a while back who was pregnant, and I had to make a really tough call. You know, we're, we're small bit, a small, small business. That in a, and one of the businesses that I run is very hands-on, very like you need everyone all hands on deck. And one of my employees was pregnant and she's trying to plan her maternity leave and all that. And you don't have to pay people anything when they go on maternity leave. You have to guarantee they'll have a job when they come back, but you don't have to pay them anything. And I made the very tough call to give her her full salary for the two months, three months she was gone. How many? Yeah, 12 weeks for the three months that she was gone. Paid maternity leave. Full paid maternity leave. It was probably the hardest three months of my entire life. <laughs> wow. Because because I was paying her, I could not hire a temp to come in to do her work. Um, so I did everything. And we had an amazing other staff members who really stepped it up during that time. But yeah, like there's just some moments in your life where you have to decide, like, do you talk about things or are you going to be about it? And that was a big moment for me to say, you know what? I say all these things are important to me. And so here's the moment to put my money where my mouth is and pay this woman her salary while she's gone. Wow. Yo, that's a that's a heavy decision. I mean, being a small business owner, I mean, that's different. I mean, the pressure upon you versus, you know, XYZ Corporation is a little different. But that's that's amazing that you were uh, not only did you did it, but also that you were able to do it. You know, I don't think everyone has that sort of luxury to be able, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it was it was hard. I mean, the business made enough money to comfortably pay her salary right. already. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, but who's going to do the work while she's gone? Like, that was the real question. <laughs> like, the work was going to come in, but it was like, what was going to happen? By the way, when you said hardest thing to do or whatever, because of the way my brain works, immediately cued some Nick Lachey for that ass. Definitely heard some 98 Degrees. Anytime I hear hardest thing, I always think, it's the hardest thing I'll ever have to do. Please tell me, TRL, you know these days. Okay, yes. So until you started singing it, it did not fully (laughs) come back. Because that was one of those things, like, I just sort of, I was a huge, huge tomboy when I was a kid. Uh The whole boy bands thing. Mm -hmm. Completely lost on me. Didn't didn't care for NSYNC, no Backstreet no, for you. No, none of them. Like, all my friends were like, which boy do you think is the cutest? And I was like, I'm going to go play in some dirt. Hey, look at Rachel. Well, I was a pretty late bloomer in that regard. You were not. You were not looking at any of... You know, interestingly enough, we've talked about Beyonce. Beyonce, and I'm not done with the Sports Authority story, but no. Beyonce, very attractive woman. Like, just ridiculous. But... Right. And and I know people have fawned over her since the day she appeared in 1997, but definitely more when she was like a grown-ass woman, people have continued to love her whole being physically beyond energy, of course, energetically. But, you know, a lot of people just like, you know, what else is new? You know, liking someone's body or whatever. I honestly just had never looked at it. I, I've heard people go great. And I know that Beyonce is like, you know, very attractive and all that. I really never looked at her like that. And it's not even like, and some people are like, yo, you're wild. Or like, for instance, Rihanna. I think I've definitely, like, the older, like, we all get, I'm like, I can appreciate this a lot. But like, when she came out, I wasn't like, 
I, I was like, oh, she's like that singer. Like, I wasn't thinking like, damn, look at that body. And not even because I'm being so woke, like, I don't like look at women sexually when I see them. It's just like, literally, I just, I don't know. I just, I just, I didn't like look at them that way. Like, like for instance, when I saw Lil' Kim back in the day, I knew what time it was. But, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if you're not like presenting in that way, I'm probably not looking at it that way and so there's it always kind of surprised me when people would like go to how hot Beyonce is and I'm like I mean she's a really good singer she dances I don't know she does she doesn't seem to be exuding that sort of energy most of the time I don't I feel like when I see her I see a a person who's very professional a person Mm -hmm. who shows up to do a job yeah and she does in a way kind of have the way she speaks especially like a bit of I don't even want to say shyness but she you can tell like she's there to do her job and the celebrity part and the being fawned over part is like separate. Exactly. It's like something that's an unnecessary annoyance of of her being a superstar. Oh, absolutely. Or like even, uh, damn, who was it? I was going to say, uh, there was somebody else I was going to say was just like, it's, it's just different. It's just different energy that you don't really think about. Uh, I'll think of, oh, Sade. Oh, yeah. Sade is gorgeous. She is amazing. She's a she's that whole goddess vibe energy. I mean, there was there was talk of her being an inspiration for her potential title to this this pod, Coast to Coast, LA to Chicago, except yeah. for you're in Sacramento. So turn up and her, you know, her whole career has been like, but I think she embraces sensuality versus sexuality, mm-hmm. and um, I just kind of I and all of her songs are very. Like most of her songs are pretty damn sexy, but I've never really like, I think she's gorgeous, but I never was like, damn woman. Like, but there's a lot of people who look at it like that. But I will say as someone yeah, who's, she's very oh beautiful. God, she is. and seeing her in concert, Arco Arena 2011, uh, when she was on the Soldier of Love tour with John Legend as the opener. Can you imagine? John Legend was just the little guy. Oh, man. That was one of the last few, like in those last few CDs I bought before everything became a streaming John Legend. Uh, I want to say it was Get, Get Lifted was yes. the one that I bought. I oh, bought man. LPs, I'll Sleep When You're Dead, mm-hmm. John Legend, Get Lifted. <laughs> Talk about me, which is being like manic all over the place with my, <laughs> my taste. And I feel like I bought like two or three more CDs that's that like day 05. as well. That's 05. Yeah, I'm trying to think of what else I must have bought. Well, no, because LP was a little later. Was it? No, Get Lifted the... came out like the end of 04, but I don't think it really hit to 05. What was the What was the album after Get Lifted? I don't know, but if the album, the song was a uh, PDA. We just don't care. Yeah, we just don't care. Because yeah, I, oh, I feel like I bought two Le- John Legend CDs that day. Like I, I gotten really into John Legend a little late. That first one was a. I mean, yo. Get Lifted is a whole ass masterpiece. Like from beginning to end, I mean, he got his family on there. the The song with Snoop Dogg, "I Can Change," the the lead single, "Baby When I Used to Love You," and all oh, the, like, that the whole. Song. Oh my god, that 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 album is so beautiful. And the Cloud Nine, like, oh um, what's that, what's that song? Uh, let's go to a place. Yeah, uh, ooh, this love is blazing. Walking on cloud. Okay, oh, yeah, it is called Cloud Nine. So Cloud Nine, and of course, Ordinary People. I love that before it was even uh, a single. Well, kinda. so Ordinary People, we have brought up Ordinary People before because that is one of the reasons why I loved Aloe Black so much and knew that he could also mm. sing is that he has a version of Ordinary People in Spanish. 
Espanol. You know, but it's not like just a direct cover. Like he kind of redoes it, and so it's all like peppy and happy, and he's singing in Spanish. Ordinary people, which has soul crushing lyrics. Yes, it does. So he made it happy. By the way, the album that I was thinking of, the follow up album, is called Once Again. All right. I bought both those on the same day, so they, but they were two years apart. Yo, by the way, John Legend dropped a dope-ass Pandemic album, and because we had a lot of other things to figure out, like maybe the survival of humanity, and I'm not even talking about Corona, I'm talking about, uh, is America about to fall to civil war? And that was the thing for like half the year, <laughs> you know, or more. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty tough year. There was a lot going on, so if you dropped an album in 2020, good luck. Good luck with people really caring about that. I mean, there was albums. I mean, music did help us get by, but I mean, yo, we had other things to worry about besides. With, and there was no, you know, music videos were different and stuff, and there was no tours, and so it was just a different time. But it, I listened to it, and I really loved it, and I'll probably go listen to it after this podcast, but... To finish Sports Authority, believe it or not, I ripped up the damn check. We were about $500 short at the end of the day, and they figured out it was my register, and they were like, what happened? And they figured it out, you know, it was only missing in checks. Do you remember? I was like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, there was this one check, but it was, and they all looked at me, and I was like, I mean, there was this one check that, like, and whatever the reason was, like, I had a valid reason in the moment why it needed to be destroyed, and it's like, do, do you know what you did with it? And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, I put it in the garbage. I mean, the garbage had already been taken out. And I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, yeah, it's probably in the garbage now, man. Did it? And it's like, well, we could call because they have to put, like, their phone number on it. Or, like, you can see, I think, you know, people had memberships, like, you know. So I was like, we could see the receipt or we could track. Well, if it was a check, I guess we couldn't exactly track it now that I think about it. Unless it was, like, a member. And so the guy just, you know, kind of looks at me. And I'm like. I'm I'm known, but I'm not known. And he's like, yeah, so. And so I really had to go back into the warehouse, Esports Authority, and go, like, not, I didn't even know which one it was. It had been thrown in with all of this gigantic store. Like, you could get lost in there. Like, you could run a full sprint just on one side of this store. And all the garbage of the day from that, from inside and outside, all the nasty human bodily fluids and everything that you could think of and leftover food, I had to go in there. Oh, no. And I really was like, I kind of looked at him like, like, you got to be kidding. And he was, he just was like, yo. And he first he was like kind of nice. And then he was just like, yo, like, hey, he let me know. It was like, it's either you or the, it's either this or the job. There I was. And this was one of the lowest moments in my life. And I remember, literally, I was on the floor in the warehouse going through just tons and tons of, like, you know, that's an exaggeration, but like pounds of garbage. And I actually found it and I had to, and it was like coffee and all this other weird, nasty stuff that was getting on me. I had to go through food and probably mucus and everything. And I Mm. found the thing and I had, and it was ripped to shreds and I had to put it back together. And goddamn, that was one of the moments where I was like, as soon as I can get out of this, I'm never doing nothing like this again. Like, I feel like yeah. I feel like the, the the CIA or somebody needs to hire you to be like going through documents and putting them back together. Oh my god, yo, I have the training. <laughs> you have the training. You've got the credentials. Oh man, it's hire me on the spot right there. Like, yo, 
by the way, speaking of the CIA, who's probably listening, uh, uh, you know, always, <laughs> you always Coca-Cola. By the way, the introduction to Tyrese, I don't know if you remember in 1995, that was our mm-hmm. introduction to him. He was the kid. No one knew his name. He was the model slash 15 year old kid, but he looked like a man that had got on to a bus. And that's why his first big music video, Sweet Lady, had him walking onto a bus because it was a callback to the commercial that made him famous, which was a Coca-Cola commercial. And he was singing his ass off. It was crazy. And the whole commercial was like, he basically had his headphones on and he was somehow, he had a CD of the Coca-Cola theme. (laughs) Now that's kind of funny to think about it. But he had a disc, man. And he he killed, he was like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He had this whole intro and shit. And he was like, always Coca-Cola. And everybody's looking looking back at him like he's obnoxious but then like damn you can sing and then he's like he's just feeling it in the back and he can't even and then yo shout out to rosa parks why you put him in the back of the bus but he goes to the back of the bus and then he realizes that everyone's looking at him and then he gives this laugh and it's so endearing and he's got this perfect white smile and everybody's oh, like this smile, of course yes it's, it was great and that was yo that kick-started his career to another level you know some people have to point back to commercials that they were in that are like really embarrassing so at least he doesn't have that oh no that no that is the best commercial that you could come into the game with especially as a like he was just a model but like if he i mean he went on to be a multi-platinum artist but i remember thinking yo that's the that's the coca-cola dude that's the that's the dude it wasn't like it happened right after also tyrese he was the antagonist in ushers 1998 music video for my way yes indeed uh I don't know if you were, I know you're a tomboy, but hey, tomboys can listen to Usher. I don't know if you were. Oh, no, I mean, definitely that was, oh, so funny Usher related story. I was, uh, I was with my cousin. I have this, this little apartment building. And when I say that, it's like, it looks like a house and there's a couple apartments in it. And so she briefly lived there. Her brother, my other cousin, they, they ended up living together in one of the apartments for a bit. They were there for a a New Year's Eve celebration recently. So they ended up hanging out with one of the other apartments for New Year's, they had decided like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we play music from different decades, Mm. right, in anticipation of the year switching over? She, because she only had just gone to live with her brother for a bit while she was like in between places, she didn't know the other people in the building that well. And her brother's also the, she's younger than me and he's even younger than that. So she's got this, you know, fairly young brother. And then the age range, the age spread in in the apartment building, it, it can be like up to 15 years, just depending on who's there. Mm-hmm. And so they're listening to music and all that. And one of the guys turns to her, the, one of the tenants, and he said, oh, I wish I would have been alive when Usher was popular. <laughs> and she was like, excuse me? <laughs> because, because he was born in... <sighs> <laughs> you know, like 98 or something. Oh. And so he was around, I guess, he was a toddler for some of, yeah. no, probably even later than that. He was a toddler for some of Usher's time, but... <laughs> Um, Yo, why they got to age us like that? Wait a minute. Well, I think I think he didn't realize how what her age was, and she didn't know he, this guy's like twenty two. Oh my god! And and yo, I wish I was around when Usher was popular. Like, yo, Usher was a big deal in '08, but that was thirteen years ago, so that would make you 
Well, when was this? When was he? Is he 22 like recently? They said it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, he, this, he's probably 23 now. Okay, well, he was. This is like nine or 10. He, I was totally into music at nine, 10. I knew everything. But I, I, feel like, I feel like the point he was getting at is he wanted to be at the club, you know, like he wanted the to be club? like out and. Not the club. But let's, I mean, they still, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, yeah. pre pandemic, yeah. they still play Yeah out and about all the time. Yeah. That song is yeah. going nowhere. Oh my God. Yo, and yo, this is, this is for the people. I haven't seen the music video in years. But the music video was dope. I mean, that's when you really cared about the video. Yo, that whole Confessions album was a whole problem. Uh, I think he went platinum the first week. Uh, yeah, he was the he was the high. He became the highest selling R and B artist in a single week. Debuted. That's what that was. What it was. It was the highest debut, and it's like, and somebody could say, well, what about Thriller? It's not, if I'm not mistaken, Michael Jackson is the king of pop, although it's very R and B related and influenced and also i don't know what his first week numbers are i think michael went on to do insane numbers but i don't think he sold a million like the first week i think it just got crazy and just never left the charts but uh usher sold if i'm not of course i could stand corrected but i believe it was in the neighborhood of 1.2 million the first week so a lot of people including jermaine dupree and robin thick who wrote on that album uh got paid but and I think Just Blaze did a track. Jada Kiss is on there. Uh, but of course, Ludacris and Lil Jon. But that video for Yeah, at the end of it, I used to always have to say, and I have my homie, Mike Erickson, who was the homie, and he became a musician as, as well. And we both bought, I remember we, we were coming down from Pier Court, which is a thing we had to do in Auburn, California. Uh, we were seniors that year, and we had to like do this thing uh, for, it was like an after-school assignment thing. We're coming down the hill. It was March 9th, 1994. It was 1994. Excuse me. Excuse me. Now you're aging yourself. Really aging myself. I was like, I said it so confidently too. I was like, it was March 9th, 1994. Okay. Let's be, let's get something straight here. (laughs) Okay. So 2004 and we're coming down the hill and it hit me. I was like, wait, dude, dude, it's dude. Do you know what today is? And he should have responded with the Tony, Tony, Tony song. It's our anniversary. That would have been perfect. But actually... It was March 9th, which means that Ursher's album, which we had been looking forward to, came out. And we both went to Best Buy. We both bought it on sale for $9.99. It was a big deal. And we put it in. We were blasting it. And we were just jamming so. And we knew immediately this is going to be the album. Like this, And it was the album of the year uh, in, in for R&B. Confessions was the album of the year for R&B. There's no question about it. Nothing was even remotely. I'm sorry for 2004, Ruben stuttered. No one even came. <sighs> yeah, we had to go Aww, there. Ruben. Yeah, <laughs> Ruben. That you know what that man could sing. And my friend Cameron Calloway brought up. You know, he just he just shot himself in the foot with dating himself on that. That song should still be relevant. It's a it's a good song. Speaking of albums. I'm going to segue here. Last episode, I talked to you about my high school friend that I exchanged CDs with and we would one-to-one burn. In fact, the reason that I was going through my old high school planners and I saw all those song lyrics is I was looking for something to send to him on his birthday. Like, I don't just like to text people like, hey, happy birthday. That's lame to me. Mm -hmm. I try to, like, find an old picture. Or so for him, I, like, dug through these banker's boxes of stuff from high school, got out these planners and took some pictures of some things he had written in my planner that I thought he would find amusing. And then I found 
on some funny stuff that I didn't remember. Uh, I had mentioned Arthur and I would trade albums. Uh, I gave him, I don't even remember what I gave him, but he gave me NERD's Fly or Die, which oh, wow. is very pivotal in my life. Mm. I loved that album. I listened to it to death. And then the other one I mentioned was Earth, Wind, and Fire's I Am. Mm. So a little bit out of the genre and the, the, the time frame that we usually talk about. But I had said that I recently looked that album up on Spotify and was listening to it again for the first time in a while. And I was stunned to find out that there were two more songs. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the heck? All these years I'd been listening to this and that dude didn't, he didn't burn me the whole CD. He left two tracks off. Like, what the heck? Like, I would have never known, right? Because it was a burnt CD. But in Arthur's defense, so Arthur, if you're listening to this, I apologize for last episode. Uh, It turns out there was a re-release in 2004 of that album with two new tracks on it. New tracks. New or remastered or something. So those were not on the original album. And I know he had burnt me a, a CD that was probably presumably part of his father's collection from who knows how long ago. Mm. And I believe this was in 2003 or 2004. So at some point later on that year, the record company re-released Earth, Wind & Fire's I Am with two additional tracks. So the CD I had was never supposed to have those two tracks. So, you know, shout out. He did what he was supposed to do. And- so going back... Back in time a little bit, when you kept saying, was it bitten or biter that you were trying to get me to make sure I remembered? It was about being a biter. Um, it was about being a biter because I kept, in my mind, I kept being like, okay, remember bitten, once bitten, forever smitten. That's like how I was saying it to myself. Do you know what that's from? I don't know what that's from. Um, are you familiar with the song Let's Push Things Forward by The Streets? Um, are you afraid of the dark? Uh, no. You know what? I don't know that song. The Streets? Wait. Really? The street? the street. So it was this white guy, a British white guy, and it was the box or one of those stations. Like if you woke up, say you're having a slumber party at a friend's house who had the box, because mm-hmm. I did not at my house, mm-hmm. and you'd wake up, you know, you'd fall asleep watching music videos. You'd wake up in the middle of the night because you're like, oh, where am I? Oh, okay, I'm at my friend's house. And there'd be like weird stuff from the UK on. And there was this guy who's like a white guy who's this almost stop motion music video mm-hmm. and it's a song called let's push things forward and and he was a musical producer singer rapper poet if you will and he was a solo act is my understanding but they called it the streets huh. i can't believe you're not familiar with this it's like 2002 no. to 2004 was the original then they kind of got into the myspace era and i think they still make me or he they it's like a weird collective of people Oh man, I I feel like I I'm being schooled right now. I really I have feel no like I'm clue. tearing open a portal for you. So the other song that was really popular is "Has It Come to This." Hmm. Not does not sound familiar at all. Not not even in the slightest. Oh man, the album was called Original Pirate Material. <laughs> no, no. Oh my gosh. And then and then they have all these like cheeky cheeky songs, all this British stuff. Like they've got a song that's actually really upbeat, and it's called "You're Fit But You Know It." You're fit, but you know I will I will interject with this because we're talking about like obscure internet music from 20 years ago. Although the box is not the this internet. isn't obscure. The YouTube video has five million views. That's obscure. All right, so here's it. <laughs> okay, I mean if we're talking brutal Mars numbers, that's extremely obscure. Yo, I'm saying also that's my American arrogance and ignorance. Like, well, if I haven't heard of it, it ain't. No, no. Um, I'm also just, I'm like, I'm mind blown because I thought I was going to say that and then you were going to say the next line and you were going to know this and we were going to have this moment because he says something about Alta Vista in the song. Like, do you remember Alta Vista? Like that's- I don't that even know what that well. is, but before I forget, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. And only my real Napsters will remember. And yes, that was intended to sound the way it did, but 
Oh my only I'm gonna go Tupac with this. This is strictly for my Napsters. Um I'm gonna say <laughs> it if um here we go. When Napster came out, a lot of uh songs were passed around. That's actually how Afro Man blew up, if I'm not mistaken. I will stand by my statement that Because I Got High is not the jam compared to I always forget what it's actually called, the Cult forty five song. What's what's it called? Crazy rap song? It's actually got more plays, I think. When I went like you said that, I was like, What is this? You know I don't know. You you don't want to know you're the connoisseur on Afro Man. Forty five and two zigzags. Baby, that's so neat. It, yeah, it's called it's not called Cult forty five though. It's, okay. Well that jam. So he That jam. I, jam. I saw his interview on like Vlad like two or three years ago and he was talking about um they were like, Yeah, because he was like you were one of the first like Internet, you were like the first viral internet artist. He's like, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone downloaded my album on Napster, and that's how I got around. Like, like he kind of did Soldier Boy before Soldier Boy, because I think that's what he did. Is like he he mislabeled his stuff improperly, so people would download his. But I think uh, I think uh, that happened to Afro Man. But more importantly than that, a much, in my opinion, a much better artist who we actually never have seen or heard, and I didn't see him until like maybe five years ago. But by the time he caught on, I mean, he had been inactive for many years. There's a rapper that hip-hop heads will know about from Napster called Benefit. Benefit, yo. If any, if Benefit, if you ever hear this, dude, you're one of the dopest fucking MCs. Your album was so crazy. I have no idea who this is. And I don't expect you to because no one, I, I could talk to 20 heads right now and I guarantee you like maybe three, but he does have a cult following. Like, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's one of those things because one of his, the way it was, was I was such an Eminem fan that I wanted anything with Eminem. And that included like random like freestyles, like especially like his Tim Westwood freestyles and all these like weird appearances and live things and his rap Olympics thing and everything. And so anyway, p- people started putting like featuring Eminem and not even those like long things where it would say like featuring Nelly, DMX, Jay-Z, not even one of those things. This was like, it just said featuring Eminem. So I was like, well, he did work with a lot of people, so I don't know. And so I downloaded this thing, and he's not on the song. Someone, like, edited in Eminem, and it was very poorly edited. But the beat was dope. It was grimy, and the song's called Proceed With Caution. Oh, my God, that's one of the dopest songs. So that's, like, the track that was getting around because it featured Eminem. But then he had, I, I guess he had uploaded his entire album way ahead of everybody. This is, like, 2000, 2001. So he's ahead of everybody pretty much. And you could get his whole like 17 track album and he like he, it was a dope concept album. He he had like great enunciation and wordplay and like I don't know, I think he was just like a kind of like Cody Chestnut to make another obscure reference. Yeah, yeah. You know, first album was called The Headphone Masterpiece. And I think it was because like he was just living in isolation and he never really intended to like perform or anything. It was just some stuff that he did. And I think that's what happened with this. Like he it's just he never got this song called The Seed. But this but this guy Benefit just like his album he had this song called like Gordo or something. And he had a whole song about and I know the proper term is little person, but he described the person as a midget 20 years ago. And it's a whole song about like being friends with this little person and like he created in you know, I don't even know if it was like insensitive or not. It didn't, it was just like a whimsical kind of, but what made it different was it wasn't like on some Randy Newman, like, sure, it wasn't like he wasn't saying the guy had no reason to live, but it was like, it was just about being best friends with a, as he said, midget. 
you know, or, you know, small person, little person. He had a whole bunch of like concept songs. He he just he definitely defines alternative rap, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I feel like at some point down the road, we're going to have to try to find and interview some of these people because there's someone else I want to bring up. Who? And I think I'm going to be able to find yeah. him. This I'll bring him up when it makes sense later on. Okay. If we could start playing some of the records, and especially I think like the more obscure stuff, like even if we played like, uh, like you know, it hasn't come up yet in the the real that we're doing, the real chance at love that we're doing here. Okay. Um, but like I'm sure we could play some Eminem. Like I don't think like Aloe Black's gonna be like, hey, yo, 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 chill, chill, chill. But like Aloe Black, you and I have emailed before. I have your Yahoo email address. Yahoo. Wow. Yeah, he had yeah, a Yahoo like, email. He did have a Yahoo email address. Yeah, he's in my phone. No way. Are you serious? I, yeah. This is like MySpace days, right? Uh, yeah, we were trying to book him. Ed Lube Fiasco and I exchanged some messages on MySpace when I was trying to book him for something too. I think I might have screenshotted them before I deactivated my MySpace. That's a good callback though. I want to say this. Lupe, we were talking about whether or not he used profanity. And actually I was listening mm. to, I think it's just called like the Royce and lupe show or something like that but whatever their podcast is i love it and they were talking and i guess he's doing like before the pandemic hit he was uh doing a food and liquor tour where he was just doing an album in its entirety and then of course that got thwarted like everything else but i think he had a performance recently but strictly live stream or whatever but like i think he was kind of going back to that he's like yo so everybody and i guess it's a i don't think it's ramadan but it's like some sort of observe it was ramadan recently oh, okay okay i knew it was a muslim observance so okay let's say yes it was ramadan recently and because of that there's a lot of things that they can't do because i know he was fasting at the time and he was just saying right. he was warning like his muslim listeners he was just like yo i know a lot of y'all fans but i gotta let you know like we're gonna do the album and there are like curse words and i do say like some some choice there's gonna be some spicy language we're gonna do the album as it was and there is some talk in there a little bit about sex so i mean i'm just and then you know royce and the other dudes start laughing he's like no i'm just saying some people you know they take it really serious and they can't really consume that sort of stuff so that is a callback to our thing he does like use profanity. Pro- Watch your profanity, but but. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is stupid. Yes, I I love that's that may be my one of my favorite memes of all time. Um, something just made me think about this. So, have you ever had a sample that just blows your mind when you put it all together? Oh yeah, I mean I can't think at the moment, but yes. Okay, so for me it is. I don't know if I should say the name of the song and then see if you know what sampled it mm. or if I'm going to... Yeah, yeah. T- put me to the test. Put me to the test. Wait, do you want to know the original or do you want to know the song that got sampled? Or sorry, the original that got sampled or the song that resulted? I think it, to make sure I know that the sample, I think the best thing would be to tell me the song that you're referring to, like the hip hop song. Okay. And then I'll so see if I know the sample. if I ever... You know that I'm like pretty tone deaf and I can't really sing and I can't write. Literally tone deaf. Put, like, Literally. Put, like I, I I can mimic songs like I, I can mimic but I don't like when when my boyfriend who who isn't he is a singer mm-hmm. uh, when he says oh you're, that's a little flat or this is an A or it's out of key or the key changed or something I'm like I have no idea what you're talking about wow I have no clue I have no concept of different notes um like that that's wow uh, which so, was so... really challenging when I used to play a musical instrument what did you play I played the viola. Wow. Very badly. Yeah, the teacher would be like, it's out of tune. I'm like, how do you even tell? And he would play the little tuning sound. And I'm like, 
that doesn't sound like anything to me. And he was like, well, play the string while I play the thing and then make sure that they match. If they're different sounds, how are they going to match? Oh, wow. There's something about my brain that doesn't work that way. That's but if wild. push came to shove ever and I was forced to sing, rap, whatever, like it was an audition and I really wanted the gig and whatever. And they're like, you need to do an excerpt of a song here. I would pick Black Street's No Diggity. Okay. Because I can kind of do the voices. Is this what you're getting to? Is it, yes. is this is this all? Oh, okay, look at you with the okay. Yeah, this is what we're building to. If you get the the swag and the flavor right, like just like um, I used to do costumes for musical theater, and there you can tell who the singers are and who the actors are because you can act your way through a song. If you're not a great singer, you can act your way through a song and you can sell it. If you're a singer, if you were hired as a singer, but you're not good at acting. You can't sing your way through a through a monologue like you're going to oh. right so you knew who the singers were versus the actors. Mm-hmm. So anyway, No Diggity by Blackstreet, that would be my mm-hmm. go-to if I absolutely had to perform live. I would do that, especially the Queen Pen part at the end. Thank you for yo, thank you for shouting her out. Yo, people don't say that name and that name actually came up recently during a versus and yes, I do know the sample of that and I actually have a little story for you. But uh uh but 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 before we get to that Queen Pen, let's not skip over that Queen Pen. I was watching uh, the verses between Isley Brothers and Earth Wind and Fire, and that's Butterscotch's favorite band, and so of all time. And so she basically like we were kind of texting each other, like basically like people live tweet stuff. We were going back and forth during it, and I just remember there was a part where uh, this song came on, and I can't remember, but it's, they go, that's ah, yeah, ah. all this it's stuff September, like that, and right? No, 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 no. That's that's. So it's not that. It's it's like I'm not that I did. That's not you being tone deaf. That was me not doing a long enough and more importantly, good enough sample for you. That's definitely my fault. Actually, I don't know if I can pull it off, but I will say I was I texted. I was like, yo, that's and I sent her the song, and she's dude. She's like, dude, people are texting that right now in the. So it was tight. Like I was trying to tell her, and then there was like hundreds of people citing, but it was dight, dight, some <laughs> sort of weird Freudian slip. That's super dight, bro. So that was tight. That was cool. That a lot of people remembered that. That's actually, yo, this is really tied in. It's a queen pen, but it's actually it's not that surprising when you realize, okay, so Teddy Riley is the mastermind behind the production of Guy, most of New Jack Swing that Babyface and them didn't do, and of course, Black Street, both versions, before and after Dave Hollister, and he's also the one that produced Queen Pen on her lead single, which was Party in a Party, mm-hmm. and it samples, I didn't realize at the time, and for many years, it was an Earth, Wind & Fire song. And I don't know it, but I reckon I was like, yo, this is the Queen Pen song. It's like a party in the party till this ran all through. Leave it to my crew. It's going to be play approved. Oh, it was this dope party. Maybe we can start editing stuff to play like songs along with like, because I've noticed some podcasts do that. Right. Like that's that's what I would want is be like, we're going to play the Queen Pen song. Play that. Well, even like while I'm singing it, we can literally like cue that while I'm singing. It doesn't even have to be like a separate thing. Just like a little background noise. But um, it, it, that's what you're referring to, right? Right. So anyway, no diggity, Black Street. The sample is sample is by Bill Withers, and it's Grandma's hands. Yes, the Grandma's hands. And so the thing is, like I Black Street, they were were they? If I if I recall correctly, this will be uh, top of the fact check for next episode. I am ninety nine point nine percent sure that they were the first musical act on the first episode of Nickelodeon's All That. Wow. 
I'm pretty sure I remember wow. when the show came out. I remember being very excited to watch it. Black Street oh, yeah. came up, and I kept being like, "What are they saying? Are they saying back it up, bag it up?" What? Are, I remember as a kid being like, "What are they saying?" But there was no Google to go look at it. I will. I will say this. I will say this. Based upon the years, that was definitely not the first episode of all that. All that came out i believe in 1994 if not 1993 because i know because i moved from sacramento to roseville in 1995 and i had been watching it but the version of black street i was after i'd moved to roseville that's when no diggity came out so no diggity's like 96 97 and all that's like 94 maybe i'm confusing myself with with another show but i remember them being a musical act now I want to know what show that was. I really want And I thought it was the first of a thing. Maybe it was the first of Keenan and yeah. Keenan and Kel have their own show? They did. They had a masterful show. And it, it, you may even know the reference. Who loves orange soda? Does that mean anything to you? Uh, yeah, of course it does. But I thought that that was part of all that still. No, no. That's that's only the Kel character from Keenan and Kel. That, that's nothing else. Like he never did that on all that. Because he would say, because he never was Kel. That's the thing. On all that, they always played characters. He was, like, they were never Keenan or Kel on all that. It was just like, oh, yeah, that's also their name. Even when he rapped with Immature, he, like, he was the Good Burger dude instead of him. Even though he began rapping as himself, they didn't call him Kel Mitchell when he did any of that. But anyway, Orange Soda. And if you were, I know this is totally, but you can't bring up that show. You cannot reference Keenan and Kel, expect me not to acknowledge it. And Coolio with one of the coolest intro songs in the history of kid shows, in the history of sitcoms. Oh my God, I loved Coolio. Dude, yo, Coolio. I have a Coolio story because you may remember from Instagram a couple years ago, but he actually crashed my birthday party in Las Vegas. <laughs> I do remember this. I do remember this. Like, there's actual, like, this is the kind of stuff that I forget about this every now and then. This is the kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, I'm sure you had a crazy weekend in Vegas. Like, no, it's documented. Not only was he at my birthday party, he ended up on my stage and we sang Gangster's Paradise. Like, it, it was it was one of the most surreal things. And then he gave, like, this whole speech that was very off-putting. <laughs> and then, that's a whole thing. We'll, we'll tell that story later. There's a little more to it. But he, I was, I guess, assaulted. <laughs> I guess I was assaulted. Like, I'm not going to, like, oh. no, I, I want to, you know, allegedly, allegedly, I don't want to incriminate nobody. It wasn't, like, nothing real. But we had an interaction that was very awkward after all of this. But that's all to say. Still love the music, still love the memories, and he had a lot of hits beyond Gangster's Paradise, but his intro to uh, Keenan and Kel, but I gotta say, my favorite thing from Keenan and Kel, and I'll get off of it after this, was the tuna episode. Does that mean anything to you? No, it doesn't. I'm just gonna say the line that is iconic is when Kel is in court and he goes, I put the screw in the tuna. I and he starts interrupting himself and he's he's all over the courtroom and he he crawls over the judge and it's one of the most insanely ridiculous things I've ever seen. It's it's just one of the funniest and he's I've seen interviews where he said people still come up to him <laughs> to this day, like in the last five years. People still come up to him if they don't say uh, welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger, all that stuff. Unless they say the Good Burger line, 
they say the orange soda thing or they say the screw thing and that's it. Speaking of conflated childhood memories, mm-hmm. um, I'll save this for the fact check, but I have discovered something that is now ripping a hole in space and time. What's that? Because of this whole black street, all that, no diggity situation. The original rump shaker. Uh, mm-hmm. Show to get down. Uh, it's like I said, if I had to, if push came to shove, that would be my go-to. Okay. Wait, wait tell me on the lyric, is it baby got him bumping all over town i thought it was either open or hoping baby got him all over town i don't know what he's strictly just don't play around strictly what don't play around i never knew that line either you see it's a thing it's like it's like the episode of south park where if is it cartman who hears come sail away and then has to finish the whole song come sail away comes i only know that from the actual chef aid album so no diggity is like that for me. I I have to like go from start to finish, like starting with the Dr. Dre part in order to get through it. And there is a, there's a little back there's a little background to that. Oh, I'm gonna say this. That song is connected to the Death Row Records Tupac Dr. Dre beef. That beef doesn't talk about as much because everybody talks about like oh East Coast West Coast and of course Tupac Biggie specifically. But if you listen to Machiavelli album, which is the first posthumous album came out like a month and a half after two, well, two months after Tupac died. He disses Tupac, uh, excuse me, Dr. Dre a lot on there. And he disses him specifically on one of the dopest songs on there called Toss It Up, which is really about having sex. The whole thing is about getting it on in a car, wherever they need to, just really being horny individuals and getting it on anywhere. And he's got all these singers. He's got, and it's even more telling. He got Aaron Hall on there. So that's, I, I now realize, uh, you know, pettiness abounds with these uh, emotional characters, especially with Suge involved. They'd do anything to be petty. He got Aaron Hall on there. Aaron Hall is the lead singer of Guy, which is Teddy Riley's first group that he got popular with. So you see the connection here. There's a version of Toss It Up, which millions of Tupac fans know, that's over no diggity. So that's why Dr. Dre is on there. Interesting. Yeah. I guess like Pac redid it before, obviously, like before somehow he knew and they couldn't use it or something like that. So it's mad petty. And there's also some other weird connection between like a Tupac sample and a Blackstreet sample that I, always kind of confused me. But very specifically, there is a version of Toss It Up over the No Diggity beat. And that's the thing. And the version that came out is much better. So it's funny that Aaron Hall is on there. I don't know if he was always on there. But the fact that Dr. Dre goes to Teddy Riley, who was at odds with Aaron Hall at the time. And and then he di- Tupac disses mm-hmm. Dr. Dre at the end of it and everything. And uh, I think he even said something about the beat, but I never understood it. And it was just kind of, oh, T- Tupac just talking his shit. There's another thing that always kind of, I love Blackstreet. I love that song. Uh, if you take your love away from I go crazy, I go crazy. What's the song? It's I, I know the song, but it I goes, don't know the da, name. Da, 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 Yep. Da, 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 that da. still gets a lot of radio play. Oh, speaking of radio play, they played D4L, Shake That Laffy Taffy on the radio wow. yesterday. I was in the car for a bit. Yeah. And then they played uh, Get By. Like back to uh, back? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, look, for the record, they played Laffy Taffy by D4L featuring Shawty Low, RP, directly followed by the Kanye West produced Talib Kweli motivational uplifting empowerment song Get By. Are you serious? Yes, yeah. Welcome to Chicago Radio. Yo. Sh- and it wasn't like a throwback <laughs> out or anything. Like I just happened to be in the car at like 2 p.m. Oh my God. No, they're wilding for that shit. Like, yo. They're wilding the fuck out for that. That's I'm glad you 
<laughs> I love it. That's the so like 1075 WGCI is like the more a little bit more like commercial, a little bit more like you know shiny, whatever. But 92.3, they'll play all kinds of stuff. They'll play like if people like send stuff in, you know, they'll do what you said, you know, where you can like rap on air. That one's the one where it's a little rougher, a little bit more independent, a little bit more out there. Uh, I mean, they still play all the big jams, but they'll just sometimes like format doesn't matter to them. So thinking about No Diggity, it's got to be open because they're talking. It reminds me. It reminds me a lot of like a kind of a she works hard for the money type of a song. OK, OK. <laughs> right. Right. Because She's got biz all over town. Yeah. It, like, so, you know, she's she's doing her thing and she's going to bag it up. It's a it's a sex positive song. Right. It, and so. But then you've got Queen Penn on there, you know. So anyway, the the, the line, the lyrics got to be open because she's like open for business all over town. Baby, got to open all over town. I mean, we could always just right? Google it, but it's- Strictly it's, knew she don't play around, covered much ground, got game by the pound. Stri- wait, strictly strictly what don't play around? See, that's the thing. Like the minute you say it, I don't, I can't. I don't know what she's, I just, they kind of slurred it. The line is, the line is strictly biz. Like she's all business. Oh, Strictly bishy don't play. Okay. I always thought, you know, and also kind of sounds with saying bishy. If you say that fast, it sounds different. Like strictly bishy don't. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like another word. Right. So I was like, I don't know what they're saying, but. No, 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 no. She's all business because getting paid is her forte each and every day. Right. True player way. Look at you. I told you if if I had to, this would be the song that I had to sing live. Yo, speaking of uh, Forte, I was listening to some rapping Forte last night. Uh, Players Ball, that's some West Coast classic right there. Uh, yes, Yo, yes. I love me some rap Forte. Like, and the thing is, I never got any of his albums, so do you really love him? But like the singles and his appearance, anytime he appears on something, I'm like, fuck yes. Like, even, uh, I haven't heard this song in years, but another Bill Withers sampled song um it's called play is holiday which came out and it was it was by twdy which stood for the whole damn yay it was one of the biggest hits of 1999 and i haven't heard this shit in years but it like dominated and it had every major hip-hop artist i think uh from bay area it had rapper forte mac mall too short e40 had to be on there if he wasn't he's definitely in the video i think it was produced by ant banks there's hella people on there. It's it's like eight dudes on there. It's it's unbelievable they got all those guys together and they used to kill that song and they sampled Lovely Day and uh um, I mean Bill Withers. Did you ever see Still Bill the documentary about him? I did. That is amazing. Absolutely fascinating person. In fact, we could do a whole episode about Bill Withers. Maybe we should do a special episode about yeah, Bill. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, but I feel like Bill Withers is one of those ones where the him and the Isley brothers, those are uh, some very sampleable. Is that I just make up a oh, word? Yeah. Sampleable? Sampleable. I'll go with it. Sampleable. sampleable yeah. People, I don't sampleable. know what it is about it, but <laughs> they definitely know what's up. I mean, like even them changes, like my drummer, Jeremy Kluwicki of uh, The Leak or Kluwicki Music. You can check him out on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. He's also a producer, Kluwicki. Um, he, his go-to to the point where it's like the one thing I clown, like I have go-to rhymes, even if I'm like supposed to be doing just like a freestyle and eventually if I'm just like getting started or it's an open jam, I'll start with something that they already know. Sometimes I'll, I'll blend in, in there. And, uh, anyway, his kind of go-to is 
footsteps in the dark and it's a thing where like if you weren't paying attention you might not know but like if you're with a guy all the time and it's just kind of funny like so it's a big joke now that's like a devastatingly sad song if you listen to it oh keep hearing footsteps in the dark it's cheating basically right like he's he's wondering if he's being cheated on. oh wait no that's not how i thought of the song i always thought that like he was alone like lonely and he keeps hearing footsteps in the I keep hearing footsteps in the dark because I thought his wife died. Keep hearing footsteps, baby. Yeah, and he like Die? wakes up thinking she's there still, or or left him. Dun, 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 dun. Bum, bum, bum. I saw. I guess it wasn't a good day. Got it? <laughs> Yo, I guess it was not a good day. Wait, now uh, wait. This is totally blowing my mind. Do you think it's about cheating? No. Here's the deal. I was I wasn't really thinking about the lyrics. I was just going off. I was going off what I felt you were insinuating. I wasn't like trying to really think of what I know about the song. I have never considered what footsteps in the dark is about. It's more of a vibe to me. So I've never listened to the All right, lyrics. fine, fine. But now that I think about it, like, I, it's I been, once anything. again, if the song was playing, I would know the lyrics a little better. I think it's meant to be sexy. I mean, a lot of their stuff was very, I mean, who's to say you can't be sexy and sad, right? I mean, that's the state of existence for a lot of people. But I would say. Wait, can we just pause on it? <laughs> a state of existence of some people is to be both sexy and sad. <laughs> what kind That's of like, myspace bullshit are yo, you on being sexy and sad at the same time yo you know hey sexy and sad but at the same time all that was on his mind was a little bump and grind that is an obscure reference to the 1997 hit by silky fine romeo and juliet she said shy but sexy yo that was yo if you was with your west coast people like back in the day and you didn't know that they'd be looking at you but maybe not the people you knew because you said they were kind of like trust fund kids from the bay area so i don't know i mean well it, i kind of had this like dichotomy of friend groups but wait i'm still footsteps in the dark i just said it was like a, a breakup or like he misses the person kind of like a the song on the radio right Whew. on the radio the, the letter falls out the pocket and then she hears them read the letter on the radio and she knew that it was him yeah right it's like a get back to baby come home kind of a song is what i always thought footsteps in the dark footsteps was about in the dark you know i swear to god i've never Where there's love lost that wants to be found i have never considered i just yo my relationship and i think a lot of people's relationships is yo like they're they're really dope music but it's something that you throw on in the mood, at least not for everybody, but like I know Footsteps in the Dark or uh, what's the one that they do, Groove With You? Oh, I thought you were going to say, who's that lady? Who's that lady? That's a little too upbeat for what I'm talking about, but I'm just saying. Uh, like, understood. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like there's certain jams where it's like, you're not thinking about the lyrics. So I've definitely had Footsteps in the Dark. As a soundtrack, and I, I have no clue what they're talking well, about. Well, it turns out that, make, that makes two of us, because I thought I had a good handle on the song, but now i got to go back and look at the lyrics. All right, so I'm going to be investigating the No Diggity lyrics. I'm going to be looking up Footsteps in the Dark. I feel like, wait, oh, no, now I'm getting myself confused with Bo Withers' song. So we've got Grandma's Hands, but then there's Grandma's another hands. song that's very similar mm. uh, in content, not in style at all. Uh, Lord now, honey, just save your money. Don't give it to that lion cheating man. It's about the, the, the preacher says he wants the money to go to the promised land, but he's a scammy heretic preacher. What's the song called? You got me. This is not familiar at all. No, I have no idea. What, what genre? Is this R&B or something? It's upbeat Bill Withers. 
Oh no! See, I don't know no Bill Weathers. I he has an album called like Just as I Am, which had I think like most of the hits. Okay, the song is just called Harlem. I don't see. I don't know that joint. Oh, I, I'm sure somebody sampled it. It is a great song. It's sampleable. It's very sampleable. Um, mm-hmm. and okay, so he's talking about the summer in Harlem. The the line that I that I just horribly butchered was uh, it's Sunday morning here in Harlem. Now everybody's all dressed up. The heathen folk just getting home from the party and the good folk just got up. Our crooked delegation wants a donation to send the preacher to the Holy Land. Hey, hey, Lord, honey, don't give them your money to that lying, cheating man. That's what I just butchered really badly. Look at Bill Withers dropping bars like with the heretic flow. Damn. Like, yo, coming through Harlem by Bill Withers. It is. It's. It sounds very different than a lot of the stuff that you're used to. It kind of, in a way, reminds me of uh, Gil Scott Heron. Mm, talk about Ooh, it, Gil Scott Heron. Okay, so the album that he came out with shortly before his passing. Do you know what I'm talking about? I only know mainly his album Winter in America, which is just an unbelievable masterpiece with Brian Jackson. You know, I think he had an album called like Pieces of a Man or something like that. Uh, whatever the one that has the revolution will not be televised. But I only know like a couple of his older things. He took a very long mm-hmm. hiatus and then came out with another album. So it was one of the few albums that I got really into. He ended up going to prison for a, a period of time. He he struggled yeah. with drugs. The reason why I got so into him is it was like, yeah, so 2010. So at this point... I'd lived in Chicago for like not very long, six months, and he came out with this album called I'm New Here. It is beautiful. I'm not sure how exactly I came across it, but I ended up in a scenario where I got to hear it front to back. I don't know if it was a local radio station here that played the whole thing, but whatever it was, I got to hear the whole thing. There were just some songs on it that just really, you know, for different reasons than I'm sure why he wrote them, but really very much spoke to me. He had, There's a song in there. Huh. Called New York is killing me. I cried like a baby wow. through the whole album. I, I can't. I can't even tell you why it had such a profound impact on me. Really, I think I remember like even World Star kind of gave him a shout, which is you know something you wouldn't. Expect. It was so good that I think I'm gonna go listen to it once we're done. Wow. I just don't even know where the the, the words escape me to completely explain. I've got something for you that you might want to get on. Okay. Gil Scott here, yo, shout out to Kanye for sampling him beautifully on Late Registration. I believe the song's called Home. Oh, yeah, I know the song. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's such a beautiful, I mean, anytime I can hear Gil Scott here, it's, it's a beautiful situation. Uh, he's also on the original Reflection Eternal album, did like a little skit. But I got something for you. There's a book. There's a book that I bought actually in New York. My first time in New York, 2014, I was out there with who? Who do I always bring up? Butterscotch. We were out there, and on the last interestingly enough the last day we were at this bookstore while we were waiting to leave and um, i was perusing and i found a memoir by gil scott heron and it's called the last holiday and i love that book so much you have to get access to it you have to get it um you have to read it it's it's beautiful and here's the deal and you know i'm not as norm mcdonald would say you know i'm not telling any secrets from school here when i tell you that Basically, it's a memoir, but it's an excuse to give honor to Stevie Wonder. What? Okay, this definitely sounds like way up my alley. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I could tell you, and it's like, here's the deal. It's not like a, it's not a novel. It's like just him telling, so there's, I couldn't even tell you his whole life. But the thing is, the reason it's called The Last Holiday, and this is something you could read on the back, so I'm not like giving anything like, oh, why'd you tell? So 
he does tell about his life story, which is just amazing, and as you would expect of somebody of his caliber. But um, basically, what had happened was in 1980, uh, Stevie Wonder's album "Hotter Than July" came out, and uh, that's when it has "Lately" and some other things. But also, this was the time when they were pushing for MLK Day to become a national holiday. And that's why it's called The Last Holiday. And it's really giving honor and it details the journey of Stevie Wonder pushing and advocating and the 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 version of Happy Birthday that's considered like the black version of Happy Birthday. That, oh, happy birthday. And I love that. Like, that's how it's supposed to go. You're like, hey, it's it, it low-key slaps, it high-key slaps a lot more than the original, although both are great. And even if you do the original, like, you know you're with good people anywhere in the world if that follows it. Like, you know you're you're in good hands. Uh, like Allstate, but but yo know, maybe future sponsor. But he actually toured with him on there, and I'll just leave it at that because there's so many details. Yeah, he ha- he has a great f- friendship. Yo, have you ever listened to the Winter in America album? I have not. Please do that from front to back. Shout out to my homegirl Nikki High Life of our crew, Neighborhood Watch, uh, the whole Sacramento crew. She's the one that put me up on that, I believe, in 2007. And I I kept that burned CD for years, and I kind of listened to it back then. But when I moved to Vegas and I didn't have really any – I didn't have any friends. All I had was butterscotch, and, you know, we lived in separate places. And, you know, I'm just living my own life and, you know, just kind of figuring myself out. And I was – it was a very – Although I'm an introvert and I like to be away from things, it was a very lonely time uh, being a uh, a lowly usher that was on the on my hands and knees scrubbing the floor in a ridiculous yellow suit. You know, um, all of that going on. But I jazz and a lot of jazz and uh, some important albums. I think I was listening to Kind of Blue like every day for like a year, and also. Um, I started dusting off CDs that I'd burned over the years. And it's just funny because everyone had like streaming. Well, streaming wasn't what it became even in 2014, but still like, you know, you could hear everything. And I, I started valuing my CDs because there's still a bunch of rare stuff. Even now there's rare songs that just don't get transferred or albums that just hadn't made it. All right. So on that note, we, we are coming in hot. Yes. Anything, any last words? No, I'm, I'm pumped. Just like how we never actually talked about Macklemore, which we will oh, yeah. get back to eventually, I promise. That's our carrot. Biting. We, we, the biting. We didn't get to that. I even specifically had a little thing, once bitten, forever smitten, and then we talked about the streets, yeah. and then we just went on this internet thing. Right. So I just want to say, what does hip hop mean to you? Fever in the funk house. Brutally Honest, Raphael Cazal, The Get Back, Shanaka Hodge. I'm just going to leave it there. Those are important details for that story. If for any reason we're not able to ever finish it, all those names are pertaining to uh, the reason why I did not do a song because I found out I was biting someone and I sacrificed one of the greatest songs that I probably would have ever released. And the many of them went on to become pretty famous you know what i i term i recently came across what's that long form podcasting no script no whatever long form it just is what it is it felt right today so i'm i'm not mad boom so with that in mind rasar rachel signing off bada bing 